Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. You know, I think a common feature of good storytelling is capturing the gravity of a goodbye. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Capturing with words and emotions and pictures and scenes of what it can be like to have to leave. And you all can think of your favorite, you know, movies and stories, novels, uh, short stories. There's usually, in a really good story, there's usually someone trying to grapple with this because in life, at some point, we have to say goodbye. And there's all kinds of goodbyes that we say, uh, but they carry so much emotion, so much weight. Uh, some of the best movie ones I can think of off the top of my head would be like E.T. Y'all remember the, the goodbye scene in E.T.? I mean, that's a real, real good, a real moving one. Uh, Casablanca, for some of you, you know, that whole little paragraph. And then here's looking at you, kid. That's a, a nice send-off. Uh, of course, Lonesome Dove, you know, I couldn't let that one uh, skip by. But when, when Augustus and uh, Woodrow have to say goodbye... I mean, if, if you don't cry when you're reading that, uh, some, something's wrong. Uh, it's very moving. It's very hard uh, to do that. Uh, so if you were having to say goodbye to your family or closest friends and assuming they were facing a most difficult time, uh, dangerous time even, uh, what would you say to them? What would you most want for them? And who would you trust to look after them in your absence? We have some of these in the Old Testament. Uh, you'll remember when Moses was uh, dying and, you know, God had told him, hey, Moses, uh, you can go up there on the hill and you can look over at the promised land, but you're not going to get to go. And uh, because of this, this, and this, and there was some disobedience and things, and it's a real hard part of the story to read, Moses is wanting to give his heart to the people. He's wanting to give everything and remind them of everything that God has done. And he most wants them to know that God loves them and is not going to leave them, and that they should be mindful of the covenant, that they should hang on to God, that they should not chase after other other, uh, trivial things, that they should focus and, you know, keep it between the lines and following the Lord. And so... um, But what's one of the great things Moses does, you know, beyond the great words and the prayers and the commending of the God that he spoke face to face with to this great new people of Israel, the greatest thing perhaps that he did was to give them someone to take his place. So he presents Joshua in the story as someone who's been called by God, who's taking the helm. And it's like Moses is saying, hey, I'm leaving you with a new advocate, a new defender, because I'm not going to be here anymore, and you're going to need one. You're going to need one, someone to defend you before God, and you're going to need someone to defend you from all the things, the evil things that will seek to harm you in the great wide world. And in this little passage here in John's gospel that we've been looking at that we call sometimes the farewell address or the farewell discourses, Jesus has begun his departure process as well. And he has not only words, but a promise of a presence for those that he is leaving behind who will be his people and will do his work. And we as the church, of course, take up the work that the apostles began uh, as the early church. And so in many ways, we read this, these texts and we realize Jesus is talking to us. And he's 
promising things to the disciples, and he's promising things to those who will become disciples in 2021. So here we are. And I want to invite you to consider, uh, as a way of getting into the work of the Holy Spirit as John presents him, by inviting you to look at a couple of passages in those chapters, uh, specifically today, 14 through 16, where Jesus talks about the coming of someone else, all right? A little mystery of who's coming. Um, You all know because you're here and we've already begun the prayers, but uh, someone else is coming, Jesus says, and uh, they will be similar to me, and I want to introduce them to you and let you know what you can look for. And so if you'd like to follow along in your your Bible, I'm going to talk about a couple of different places in these verses in John. Jesus introduces a a word, and he says, now there's going to be another, and the word is parakletos, Parakletos, and like translated into Latin from the Greek, that would be advocate. So that's why sometimes you see in your English Bible, uh, as the one that was read for us today, will say, I'm sending another advocate to be with you. And so this word occurs four times from John 14 to John 16, and every time there's a little bit different context. And if you read different English Bibles, they will translate this different ways. And that usually is an indication that it's a little tricky to translate. There's a lot of nuance. There's something big that Jesus is promising us and telling us here, and it's hard for us to understand exactly what he means. So we need the context. We need to understand. We need to remember what's going on. But here's how a couple of the English Bibles translate it. If you're reading the ESV, it will be translated helper. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. If you're reading the New International Version or the Revised Standard Version, I will send you a counselor, another counselor. Uh, The New Living Translation or the NRSV we've talked about, I will send you another advocate. The King James is the only one that chooses the word comforter. I will send you another comforter. The New Jerusalem Bible just says, heck, with all that, it's too hard to translate. We'll just keep it paraclete. (laughs) So they just take some English version of the Greek word and say paraclete. It's kind of like amen. We don't really have a translation for amen. We just kind of come to understand what it means. And it's similar to this word. And finally, uh, the message, uh, Eugene Peterson translate this as, uh, I will send you another friend. So um, I bring this up, this just kind of investigation here just to try to get in on a sense of what what God what Jesus is promising in the sending of the Holy Spirit so uh, we talked last week how John's one of his favorite titles for the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and his other favorite title for the Holy Spirit is the parakletos the paraclete so just you know roll with it and see which one seems to fit what you're hearing in these different contexts so in in chapter 14 verse 16 we see Jesus is talking about uh, loving him and keeping the commandments. I'm going to ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Another parakletos, to be with you. The spirit of truth, the world cannot receive, uh, etc. In 1426, we might call this kind of the interpreter or the, uh, the, the spirit who will come and bring some recall. So Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Isn't that a great feature of the Holy Spirit? So Jesus said, I've taught you a lot of things and I've spoken many things and you're going to need someone to remind you of what I said. And part of the work of the Holy Spirit is that very work, someone that will bring to memory all that you've said. 
John 15, 26. But when the helper or the paraclete or the comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So here we have this paraclete figure who is witnessing to Jesus. So what would we call that? A, uh, this kind of has that courtroom setting, defender, advocate, something like that. Uh, and then the final place the word is used, 16:17, or excuse me, 16 verse 7, is more of a, uh, uh, the, the promise that the Holy Spirit will come and prosecute the world for evil. Uh, you know, this is saying, you know, Jesus is saying, I will come and judge uh, all the things that are out of line with my Father's uh, kingdom, and uh, there will, the Holy Spirit will join in that work. He will convict the world, the scriptures say here, of, um, according to the things that we need to be convicted for. So when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, and concerning sin because they don't believe in me, righteousness because I go to the Father, you will see me no longer, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So again, judgment is very good news for the faithful because it means that all that we suffer at the hands of evil will be vindicated. So it's good to know that the Holy Spirit is about that same work. So the Holy Spirit is coming along uh, to bring the kind of conviction that is necessary. The last one is, it doesn't have the word, but it comes back to that spirit of truth bit. And I really like that I wanted to leave this in here for our comparison because we have all the time Jesus saying in John, uh, I am revealing the Father. I'm revealing the Father. That's all I do. I'm just showing you the Father. I don't come up with anything on my own. I'm just showing you the Father. Uh, we are one, and I'm pointing you to the Father. If you really knew the Father, you would know me. Uh, and that's the beauty of how the Trinity works. And then here, Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit as someone that will reveal the Son. So as I'm revealing the Father, and the Spirit will come and reveal the Son. After I'm gone, you will know me through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Isn't that great? I have many things to say to you, but you can't handle it yet. You know? And I just thought, you know, thanks be to God that when we start our faith journey, we don't have to learn everything right away. We don't have to hear every word right away. Goodness knows we need some time for it to soak in. You know, if we got everything that God wanted to say to us in our lifetime, if we got it all when we were 18, we would die. <laughs> it would just overwhelm. I mean, it literally would kill us. It would overwhelm us. And so it's great that as we grow and as we regress, the Spirit meets us and reminds us of things that Jesus told us when we were five, reminds us of things that Jesus told his disciples, reminds us of things that everything that Jesus is doing, the Spirit is reminding us and calling to our attention. And at the time that we can bear the truth, not that it will be easy, the Holy Spirit will bring us the truth. I'm so comforted by that. I'm so comforted by that, that we don't all have to know it all right now. That is good news. And the Spirit, though, is not leaving us in the dark he was gui he's guiding us into all truth. So, in this little translation exercise, uh, I don't know what's the best word. Obviously, the English translations are going to disagree a little bit. We don't have to come to a decision that we'll be happy with in every instance for the rest of our lives. But I just wanted to say for today, I've never really put this together, but I, th I think right now and where we are and with everything going on for this sermon— 
I would like to translate parakletos as friend. I like friend because Jesus is leaving his people. And remember, what do you want most for your people when you're leaving them? You want someone that's going to fill the role that you're leaving. And what does Jesus say to his disciples in the exact same place? I no longer call you servants, but friends. So if the Holy Spirit is doing what Jesus did, and the Holy Spirit is another counselor, another comforter, another advocate, it assumes that there is another person who we know in this case is Jesus. So what was Jesus to the disciples? Who was Jesus to his followers? And he says himself that he was a friend. And that's a real major seismic shift when it comes to relating to a deity. But Jesus does it. And he does it with power through the cross, and through his resurrection and ascension. So we have it on good faith that we we can stand as friends with Jesus. And so I love the idea that the Holy Spirit comes to us as another friend. Jesus is gone, and we're left feeling alone, and another friend will come. So Jesus explicitly says right after this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And that's just the most comforting language. And uh, so, again, however we translate it, it's okay to carry. In some cases, in different places, you may want to use a different word. But hopefully you get a sense of some of the things that the Holy Spirit has promised uh, to do for us. And this is, you know, coming to the defense of all who believe in Jesus. You're all included in this mix. The Holy Spirit has been promised to all of us. And what's left is for us to continue or to begin getting in on this life, this life in the Spirit. And I was asking myself the question this week, how do we get in on the life of the Spirit? You know, how do we, how do we really get in on this life? And we talked a little bit last week how sometimes people treat the Holy Spirit as sort of like, a, um, like the highest badge you can achieve. And you can't, you, know, you can't get to that badge until you've gone through some other badges. But really, we're knowing the Holy Spirit all along. The Holy Spirit is not some person that we meet and get to know and are baptized in once we've got all the other parts of Christianity figured out. But in fact, the Holy Spirit was present at creation. The Holy Spirit was speaking through the prophets. The Holy Spirit was present in the ministry of Jesus, and he has been sent to continue that ministry in the hearts of the faithful. So we know the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, along with the Son and the Father. And so we are already in on this life, but how do we take some steps in that direction. And so I found myself asking, okay, well, what are some action verbs? Maybe there are some action verbs in the context of John's farewell address. Maybe that just give us an idea. If there's so much talk about another friend that I'm going to send, how do we get in on this life? Maybe there's some key words, some key action verbs. So I'm listing 10 right here, just 10 invitations. And this is not how you're supposed to conclude an address or a sermon or anything, you're supposed to have one thing, right? Well, I, there's 10, but the, the deal is I'm inviting you to pick one. So this is a little Memorial Day shuffle here uh, for, the, for the season, a little more informal today. And uh, so I'm going to invite you to hear this list of 10, and I'm going to invite you to pick one, to pick one thing that would be a next step that would be getting in on the life of the Holy Spirit, who is, as we said in the creed, the giver of life, okay? So... We'll all jump right in here. 
actions that might help us get a sense from John 14 to 16. Number one, believe in Jesus. That's a commandment. That's an invitation. So uh, if you're here today and you've wondered, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in Jesus or I used to believe in Jesus, but so much has happened in my life, I don't know that I do anymore. Uh, It's an invitation to consider that belief, to test that out. Tell God that you struggle to believe in him and all that he's doing and wrestle that out. Be like Jacob. Don't be afraid to fight a little bit with God in those dark times. So believe in Jesus. That's number one. Number two, uh, Jesus says, you know, love me. If you love me, then you will keep my word. So love Jesus by keeping his word. That's number two. That's an invitation, whatever that looks like. Receiving the word of Jesus. Maybe it's one of those words that you couldn't handle when you were 18. You couldn't handle when you were 25. You couldn't handle when you were 62. And there's a a word that Jesus wants to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. And that word is, uh, you're, you're hearing that word now. Number three, ask anything in Jesus' name. That's something that comes up twice. Ask anything in my name. Now that means according to the nature of, of course, what we're doing. And this just reminds me that you don't get in on the life of the Holy Spirit unless you're in the trenches. If we're not living the Christian life and working and praying and working to bring people into the fold and disciple people, and if it's not a little bit tough, we're not going to notice a need for the Holy Spirit anyway. So uh, it's kind of a reminder that it, we should be asking things in Jesus' name that, are, that seem difficult and, and, it, and everything. You know, gosh, Lord, I don't know how you're going to pull this off. You know, we feel called as a church to reach this certain group of people or to do this certain thing, and we're just not really sure how to do it. And if you don't show us, I'm not afraid we're going to make a mess of this. And so that would be asking in Jesus' name, but Jesus, we know you've asked us to serve the poor, so how would you like us to do it? So asking in Jesus' name. Number four, rejoicing because Jesus has gone to the Father. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not always a, a great rejoicer. And sometimes this is a practice. This is saying, hey, I'm looking and saying, hey, for all the things that have gone wrong, um, Jesus says at the right hand of the Father, and it's going to be okay. So there's something to rejoice about. Number five, abide in the love of Jesus. Abide in the love of Jesus. That's enough some days to remember that you're loved and to share that love with those around you. Number six, obey the commandments of Jesus. Uh, That's how we demonstrate our love for the Lord is is obeying his commandments. Number seven is uh, obeying the commandments of Jesus by loving each other and specifically by laying down our lives for one another. So laying down our lives for another person in the name of Jesus is a way to get in on the life of the Holy Spirit. Number eight is to bear witness to Jesus. You may do this through writing, through a conversation. You may do this through prayer, through writing a song, bearing witness to Jesus. Number nine is to remember Jesus. Um, We'll talk more about that in a minute. And number 10, finally, is to be guided in the truth. So Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will come and guide us into all truth. Uh, But as you know, that's a cooperative relationship. So if I'm unwilling to be led, uh, that's not going to work very well. So that that one is a, a challenge for me. So uh, the invitation today is just to pick one of those and to celebrate the coming of the Spirit, to rejoice in the sending of the Spirit, and to enjoy the life that He has promised and is giving to us at this time. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.